This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. First off, Michael, I wanted to ask you, how's it going? Because mm. it's been a crazy past few weeks. And I don't know, for my wife, Hannah, and I, like, we've been trying to deal with both working from home while also homeschooling our two young kids. But, like, we're safe and healthy, and I'm grateful for that. But I wanted to kind of check in with you and see how you were doing as well. Yeah, yeah. I, this is – it's it's been a big change. And luckily, I was already remote. Dribble's 100% remote. And so we're already used to being set up this way. But yeah, it's been hard. I think it's been hardest on uh, on the kids, just you know, not yeah. being able to see their friends, being home all the time with us. I am not, you know, <laughs> I'm not as entertaining as the, as their friends, and we miss a good playground, you know. I know we're missing that too. And I was I was trying to think of you know some of those 
you know, things that I miss, the simple pleasures, if you will. I, like, what is, what's that one simple pleasure for you, at least, that you miss that you can't do right now? Is it playground with the kids or like, what is it? Yeah, I think it's um, people. I just miss, mm. you know, Zoom's fine, but I, I do miss <laughs> just getting to have a nice conversation with, uh, with with people in person. I think that's been the hardest part. Um, even just going to the grocery store with a mask on just doesn't yep. feel the same. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. And for me, I know, like, yeah, I miss getting to be with my friends. And I, I will say, like, the, but one of those simple pleasures I miss is going to the movies. You know, it was like something I always took for granted. And I had, I kind of had this, like, regular routine going to catch the latest horror movie that would come out with my dad. It was just a thing that we had. So whenever a scary movie would come out, we'd go see it. And then, uh, you know, obviously we do the family movie nights too, but um, yep. that, that was not a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, getting to catch a movie at a local cinema, it's really, you know, a nice slice of Americana or I guess Canacana up here, if that works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's probably something a lot of us took for granted in this. Have you always been kind of a movie buff? Well, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself like a film snub necessarily, but but yeah, I always loved going to the movies. I think the first one I ever saw in the theater was Back to the Future. And I was like, oh, oh wow, five or whatever it yeah. is. But, uh, but a couple years ago, my wife got me this Christmas gift that sort of blew me away. Oh, yeah? Can you guess what it was? Well, okay, so it's related to movies. I mean, this is probably the wrong, but is it a Netflix subscription? <laughs> no. I mean, we had that. We had <laughs> right. Netflix, but, uh, but you are kind of close. So Netflix has something to do with it. Um, I'm going to give you a hint by playing this clip from 12 News, which is an NBC affiliate in Arizona. See what you think about this one. Unlimited movies at the theater for 10 bucks a month. Hey. I got 10 bucks. I think it's great. That's the idea. One Netflix co-founder has to help people get back into the seat. Does that help? I think you're talking about movie pass i am talking about movie pass and that was a pretty cool christmas gift back in 2017 <laughs> because what an amazing value proposition right i could see any movie i want any day if i really wanted to i could go every day all for the cost of 10 bucks a month with where i'm from is pretty much the cost of one movie ticket an amazing value prop yeah but ultimately we're talking about it, so I'm guessing a colossal failure. Yeah, and we'll go over everything on this episode of Rocketship.fm. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So MoviePass, it really is a classic example of what seemed like a near overnight giant success. And then just as quickly, you know, had its very own demise. Yeah. Although I will say it wasn't an overnight success. Uh, it caught the attention of everybody, you know, including me in 2017, but it actually got started back in 2011. Uh, Stacy Spikes and Hammett Watt, they co-founded MoviePass together. Stacy was an entertainment marketing executive starting in music, actually, at places like Motown Records and Sony Music, mm. but then moved over into film at places like Miramax and October Film. Um, he actually also ran the Urban World Film Festival, and that's kind of where he got the idea for MoviePass. It was like where the concept was born. Didn't he actually pitch the concept to most of the major cinema houses like really early on? Yeah, yeah. So 2005, actually, Spikes had been looking for a way to sort of modernize this film festival that he ran, and he had envisioned making it a year-round film festival hmm. in a subscription format. So 
people would pay a certain monthly cost and they get access to these films. And he pitched that to the CEO of Lowe's, which at the time had about 200 cinemas, 2000 screens. And the response? The response was actually, yes, this should oh, exist. Wow. Yeah, but not even just for Urban World Film Festival. The response was, this should exist for the entire film industry. And the CEO of Lowe's actually had Spikes build him a prototype. Um, it was based on SMS, but the prototype worked. Wow, so what happened when they launched the prototype with Lowe's? They never got a chance to. So hmm. soon after, Spikes had pitched this subscription sort of format. Lowe's ended up merging with AMC, and AMC was much cooler on the idea, um, as was, by the way, every other cinema house. So if, if Spikes was going to do anything about the idea, he was going to have to do it on his own or with a partner. So I'm guessing he found a partner. He did. He found what seemed like the ideal partner at the time in, in Hammett Watt. Now, Watt is an entrepreneur and an investor, and when the two connected they hit it off pretty well, um, and ultimately it was decided that they would partner up. Spikes would focus on the product, and Watt would focus on raising capital. And eventually, in 2011, they found the capital, um, and they hmm. ended up launching their product. So it was the summer of 2011 um, when they launched a beta in San Francisco with a simple value proposition. MoviePass subscribers could pay a monthly fee, and they can enjoy unlimited movies, well, one a day, but every single month. Wow, all for just... 10 bucks. Actually, no. <laughs> At the time, <laughs> all for just 50 bucks. Okay. Okay. Got it. Well, that's, that's definitely priced higher than where they eventually ended up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, but I'll say at first, the market they were going after were hardcore cinephiles. So people that maybe they went to see seven or eight movies every single month. And for those people, I mean, this was a pretty good deal. Um, and keep in mind, this was, this was the beta. You know, they were just trying to prove out Will this concept even work at all? Did it work with those cinephiles? Yes. Well, sort of. Sort of. I'm guessing the launch didn't exactly go as planned in all aspects. Okay. So consumers really loved the concept, especially those cinephiles. But mm. the cinema houses... Ah, yeah. <laughs> These were the places that shut MoviePass down, right? Yeah. Those initial conversations that Spikes had in the beginning, those places were not on board quite yet. And they didn't take kindly to the fact that they were essentially being bypassed. I mean, the, the way that MoviePass worked in the beginning was basically that customers would be given vouchers to use when they wanted to go see a movie. They'd either get an electronic voucher or actually print the voucher out. Um, at one point, they used what's called Hollywood movie money, which it's sort of this third party movie voucher company that services like cereal box promotions if you know if you're familiar with seeing like a offer of a free ticket if you bought i don't know five boxes of cheerios or something so at this stage movie pass was essentially sort of hacked together right they were fulfilling the value prop for the customer and they kind of figured out a way to not involve the cinema houses at all but i'm confused why were these cinema houses so resistant because you know movie pass was literally buying a ticket for each of their subscribers whenever they wanted to go see a movie so for movie pass they were you know banking on the fact that people would go to like three movies or less just so they could turn a profit but the theaters they're getting their money for the ticket right what's wrong yeah well you're right i mean so that is sort of how the model worked. When somebody subscribed to MoviePass and they wanted to see a movie, MoviePass would actually buy them tickets. So hmm. the theater was going to get paid no matter what. Um, but they weren't informed on MoviePass's launch. So most of their staff was just confused. They didn't really know what was going on when all these people started turning up with these valid but obscure certificates. And there's this big unknown too, right? Like if this model succeeded, 
what does it mean for the per ticket going rate of a movie ticket? Was that would that change? They just didn't know. I see. They felt out of control, right? So the early signs from MoviePass showed that the, their service actually helped the theaters, right? I assume people weren't going to three movies every month initially. Right. Well, and even if they were, it's like, that's what the theaters would want, right? So yeah. MoviePass, they actually saw in their beta numbers increased for the theater. So they said new members would actually increase their movie theater attendance by as much as 64%. And the concession sales would go up by about 123%. So mm. their perspective was that their service was a win-win-win for consumers, MoviePass, and the cinema houses. But anyway, in 2012, it officially launched Pass's beta mode. And this time with a reduced monthly fee of about 30 bucks a month and a pretty unique app and card model. So I'm going to let Lexi Savides of CNET explain it right here. When you sign up, MoviePass sends you a MasterCard that's linked to a unique ID in your phone. Once you choose a movie and where and when you want to see it, go to the cinema and check in. This authorizes the card and makes it work at the credit card machines. MoviePass then pays the theater the full admission price and you get the ticket. Ah, so that's different, right? And no more weird certificates anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, MoviePass continued along and they built up a following, but it was still sort of a niche company for a few years. Uh, in 2014, though, they met somebody who became an advisor to them. And in 2016, he joined the company as its CEO. Now, this person is somebody that had deep industry experience and a whole lot of gravitas. People some credence about who you are. Yeah. Uh, you were one of the founders of Netflix. You're someone who built uh, one of the most disruptive businesses ever in the history of entertainment. The experience of going to the movies has just started to get innovative. What's really crazy is that how much has changed over the last 20 years. When we launched Netflix for one flat price, People started watching things, they, movies they never would have seen before. And it gave people freedom, it gave people, it liberated people from the stress of having to make a decision. That was Mitch Lowe, an early executive at Netflix, former president at Redbox, and now Mitch Lowe was the CEO of MoviePass. So here you have a growing company with an interesting concept and now an industry veteran at the helm. Wow, but in 2017, things did get a little weird. <laughs> they definitely got weird. So there's sort of two versions of MoviePass. There's MoviePass pre-August 2017, and then MoviePass post-August 2017. Most people who are familiar with MoviePass really think of the latter. Um, in fact, mm. a lot of people sort of incorrectly assume that this is when MoviePass actually launched, no, August 2017, but it's not. No, that's when MoviePass was actually acquired, right? By an obscure publicly traded company on the NASDAQ exchange known as Helios and Matheson Analytics. It was positioned as a data analytics company, but much of its business was actually pretty under the radar right until they made this $27 million purchase, which was a controlling interest in MoviePass. And with that new fresh capital, MoviePass launched a brand new subscription option, virtually all the movies you want, but instead of $50 or even $30, the plan was now just $10. Yes, the cost of one movie, about $10. So if anybody wanted to see more than one movie in a month, MoviePass would essentially be losing money on that customer. I mean, look, what could go wrong here? <laughs> yeah. Let's take a short break now. We'll hear from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk more. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, I hope you're back with your popcorn and soda and whatever it is that you sneak into the movies. Wait, you sneak things into the movies? Anyway, back to movie pass. <laughs> Here we are, summer of 2017, and Helios and Matheson Analytics just acquired a majority stake in movie pass to infuse it with fresh capital. And now it launches the most aggressive consumer subscription offer yet. One movie a day for just $10 a month. And this is one of those godfather offers, as they say, an offer that for many people, they just couldn't refuse. Yeah, including me. It was Christmas <laughs> later that year when I became a subscriber. I had made some hints to my wife and she got me that Christmas gift of a movie pass subscription. And I, yeah, I'll share some of my experiences later on. Well, I'm looking forward to that. But again, the $10 a month, unlimited movies, how do they even make money on this? Well, I'll let Mitch Lowe tell you himself. This is from a Business Insider interview back in 2018. I always find it interesting uh, that, to get that question because, you know, Netflix has to borrow billions of dollars a year to stay in business, to create the content that they don't earn enough money to pay for. Um, you know, if you read the reports about Spotify, they spent $2 billion more on content than the revenue they generated. And we're no different. We're, we're building a big subscriber base of film lovers who, over time, uh, we have dozens of ways uh, to make money. Uh, for example, marketing on behalf of studios. The film distribution system is completely broken. It's so hard to, to get a film out in the theater that's not a big blockbuster hit. And there's hundreds of millions of dollars spent marketing those films. We're an incredibly effective partner for those studios. We have people who are coming to our site, you know, four and five times a week uh, where we can sell advertising. And we're on our way to get to break even on our subscription. So the answer is they don't make money. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, but Mitch Lowe does make a fair point here. I mean, most high growth tech startups don't make money. I mean, most of Silicon Valley's hot startups don't have sustainable business models at first. So MoviePass was saying, hey, we're no different. No, we don't make money from just a MoviePass subscription and the ticket purchases, but we're creating a path to build a high growth subscriber base. And once it had it, there'd be all sorts of other ways to make money, whether it's advertising, data analytics. Uh, they'd likely have an awful lot of data from their members. And they did see incredible growth, didn't they? Yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, if you count the acquisition and new subscription model as sort of a reboot, it took MoviePass four months from that point to reach 1 million subscribers. That's hmm. faster than companies like Spotify, Hulu, Netflix, all of which, by the way, as Mitch Lowe points out, weren't very profitable in the early growth stages either. Okay, so this is the plan. Yes, although not everybody was on board. So Remember how this entire company was really Stacy Spike's vision? Well, Spike spent well, Spike spent a lot of time testing all sorts of pricing models from as low as $14.99 per month to as high as $75 a month. The whole unlimited for $9.99 deal, it was supposed to be a promotional thing to get to a hundred thousand subscribers. So once they got there, Spike said, Okay, we're here. Let's turn it off. Let's Go back to normal. And Lowe and Ted Farnsworth, who is the CEO of Helios and Matheson Analytics, said, no, not only that, but in January of 2018, they unceremoniously fired Spikes in an email. Spikes may have started MoviePass, but at this point, he was out. He just 
didn't see eye to eye with the company. Yeah. And that company plan for 2018 and beyond was pretty bold. I mean, it mm. wasn't just about offering low price cinema subscriptions, whether the theaters liked it or not. It included acquiring films, getting into the distribution business. In fact, its new subsidiary, MoviePass Ventures. I will build something that nobody can destroy. So no, by the way, that wasn't Mitch Lowe and Ted Farnsworth. That that was John Travolta starring in the film Gotti. Um, this was one of the three films that MoviePass Ventures acquired and distributed. They even made an acquisition that the sum seemed pretty odd. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by the New York Times and Hot 97. Yes, they acquired Movie Phone, and yes, that was actually Cosmo Kramer from the TV show Seinfeld acting as Mr. Movie Phone. What a classic episode. It really was. Yeah. And anyway, 2018 was definitely meant to be a big year for MoviePass, but all of this growth and these big ambitions, they needed money, a lot of it. Uh, and that money originally came into the company for a 51% stake, that $27 million. That was just a few months earlier, and it was already gone. Um, but on the terms of the deal, you know, Helios and Matheson Analytics could keep pumping more money into the business and they could take more equity. And that's what they did. They injected more, uh, tens of millions of dollars more throughout 2018. But even then, they were in a cash crunch. I mean, they were always perpetually in a cash crunch. Here's Dexter Thomas from Vice News talking about MoviePass's challenging 2018. For all his confidence in interviews, MoviePass isn't acting like a company that knows what it's doing. In the past few months, it banned certain theaters from its app, lowered prices twice, turned around and unbanned those theaters, canceled its unlimited plan, and then brought it back. And it recently introduced surge pricing. MoviePass lost an estimated $45 million in June alone. So the company's unveiled a plan to raise another billion dollars from investors and do what's called a reverse stock split, which would at least temporarily boost the stock price. But Mitch Lowe seemed unfazed. Shareholders vote on these ideas on Monday. Stock dropped quite heavily, actually. Very similar to Netflix in the early days. What, first five years, you guys were heavily shorted because people think it's not going to work. When people understand the Wall Street side, like our institutions, not worried at all. I mean, they're the ones that keep re-upping on all the monies. You know, we hear uh, people are betting you could make it through the holidays, through Christmas. Mm -hmm. Then they said you couldn't make it through uh, Oscar season. Then they said you're not going to make it through May. They'll always, they'll always say that. So, can MoviePass overcome their naysayers? Well, we already know the answer, but we're going to find out exactly what happened right after this break. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So again, 2018 was meant to be the big year for MoviePass. It was when they made some key acquisitions, ramped up its user base, doubled down its effort to acquire users in mass, and it was executing on that vision. But it was burning through a lot of cash at the same time. Yeah, and it still wasn't winning over any friends with the movie houses. I remember at one point they wanted to earn revenue by actually partnering with these cinemas and taking a cut of their ticket or concession revenue but these cinemas weren't receptive. Um, in fact, they were now busy launching their own subscription services. AMC launched Stubbs A-List, Regal Cinemas launched Regal Unlimited, Cinemark launched Cinemark Movie Club. They all had their own different pricing and benefits, but they gave consumers an option to watch a certain number of movies every month and get a discount on concessions and other perks. 
uh, pricing wasn't as aggressive as MoviePass. But then again, some of the benefits went beyond what MoviePass could even offer. Uh, 20% discount on concessions, for example, that could be a big deal for a family of four. So there was competition now for MoviePass. Yeah, and not just competition, but competition coming from companies that had a lot of sway in the film industry. And at this point, an ax to grind. The CFO of AMC went as far to say there is a day of reckoning for that type of strategy, Ooh. referring to MoviePass's end-around low-price model. A day of reckoning. That's yeah, kind of prophetic words now. Yeah, very prophetic. In fact, in July of 2018, MoviePass's service was actually temporarily halted because it ran out of money. It needed an emergency cash infusion of $5 million simply to pay for merchant and payment fulfillment processors just so that they continue to process payments for them. By August, the stock of MoviePass's parent company, which at one point after the acquisition was $132, it was down to $0.05, cents, which I don't know if you know this, but can't even buy you anything at the concession stand. <laughs> out. <laughs> and yeah. this was really the beginning of the end. In 2019, there were lawsuits filed alleging Helios and Mathos Analytics deceived investors on its financial position to be able to support MoviePass. Subscribers continued to lose confidence and left at a pace that rivaled MoviePass's initial growth. And constant technical issues became the norm. I'm sure you saw them. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely attest to that. I mean, there'd be times where I would go to see a movie, I'd pull the MoviePass app up and nothing. The theater wasn't visible um, and really like there was plenty of availability, but the movie or the theater wasn't even showing up in the app. And you had to go to the theater and pull up the app to make your decision when you arrived. There was like a proximity thing. So imagine driving all the way to the theater. I know what movie I want to see. And now I can't even see that movie without paying out of my pocket. Pretty frustrating. Yeah. And then in the summer of 2019, Tens of thousands of MoviePass customers are being warned about a recent data breach. The movie ticket subscription service confirmed yesterday that a critical server had not been password protected. Customers' MoviePass cards and their personal credit card information may have been exposed. MoviePass has not confirmed the exact number of customers affected. The company says systems are secure again. That was a part of a newscast on CBS New York. Uh, MoviePass had exposed tens of thousands of customer card numbers and personal credit cards because of a critical server that was not protected with a password. Oof, the very next month, MoviePass was no more. On September 13th, 2019, MoviePass informed its subscribers that it was shutting down because its efforts to recapitalize MoviePass have not been successful to date. Earlier that year, MoviePass, along with its parent company, Helios and Matheson Analytics, filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy after it could not find any other alternative paths to keep itself afloat. Yeah, and that really was the final nail in the coffin for MoviePass. So Mike, you were a member of MoviePass as a customer and as a product person, entrepreneur. What's your take? Well, look, the product itself was pretty awesome. I mean, the app wasn't anything special. It's not like it had this user interface that was super cool or anything like that. And the fact you had to be issued a debit card and get money loaded onto the card every time you wanted to go see a movie, kind of a clunky process, but I kind of kind of respect the the hack version there, um, but what a value prop, right? I mean, see a movie every day if you want for 10 bucks. It was almost too good to be true, no? Well, sure. I mean, if you see more than one movie a month, they're gonna lose money. And that was obviously MoviePass's biggest criticism. But, but well, earlier in the episode, I mean, we heard Mitch Lowe compare MoviePass to services like Netflix and Spotify. I mean, unit economics on those services weren't profitable at all at first. And sure, Netflix is making money now, but for a very long time, they weren't. 
Um, Spotify just became profitable in 2019, but for 10 years it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So running a tech company that loses money, I mean, this isn't exactly a new thing. But a big part of its plan to make money was based off these great relationships with the cinema houses, which you know, they never really built. And it wanted to eventually take a cut off the concessions or even you know tickets if it brought in more customers to the theaters. Yeah, and that's where it never was able to find its footing. I mean, they started off at odds with the theaters and they never got on the same page with them. There's also something that Netflix and Spotify have that MoviePass really never did. Oh yeah, what's that? Billions of dollars in funding. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I mean, hey, look, with that cash infusion they got when they were acquired, they had tens of millions of dollars after it was acquired, but it was trying to play in a much bigger field. And, yeah. and that wasn't enough money to do everything that they wanted to do. And it seemed like they were always in this emergency cash situation, always trying to play catch up, always with weeks of runway, not years of runway. Yeah. So as a business, yeah, it wasn't viable. No, but I will say this for those 12 months that I was a member, I did go to an awful lot of movies <laughs> and I sure enjoyed it. So for that, I will say to you, movie pass. Thank you. That's all folks. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.